Everybody good? Everybody's okay? Excellent. Guess what? Last week, <laughs> last week, we had a guy come in here and he was prayed for back pain that he'd been having for months. Continual, constant back pain. Uh, when he was prayed for, he left. Hadn't had a pain since. Isn't that cool? That was a report that came in this past week. See, that's what God does. That's what God does. Now, Warren Williams, is he still in the hospital? Hadn't heard? Okay, I'll check with them tomorrow or tonight and find out for sure. I went by and saw him on uh, Tuesday, I think it was, Monday or Tuesday. And um, he had an infection. They were giving him some IV antibiotics for that. He was scheduled. He thought he was coming home the next day. So, anyway, maybe he's home. I hope he is anyway. And if any of y'all know, if y'all can, some of y'all can, if you've got Katrina's uh, number, if you can just text her and find out, we could might give a good report, okay? All right. Now, last week, I shared uh, a message on healing. And we used, as a text, Luke 8. And we showed where a lot of healing was connected with demonic activity. Okay? It's indisputable. And I'm just going to kind of hit this, and then we're going to go on to our teaching on healing for tonight, okay? And then we'll pray for people. Probably prophesy. In Luke 8, it said, And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve came to him, certain women, da 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 And uh, I think I'm in the wrong place. Yeah, I am. Luke 9. Well, look at this. He called his disciples again. <laughs> See, he called them in Luke 8 and Luke 9. Anyway, Luke 9, verse 1. He's just all the time calling disciples, y'all. Everywhere you look. Then he called his, this is Luke 9, 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils to cure diseases. The word cure means to sever. So what, he's, what Luke, is, the physician, is saying here is, is he's conveying to us that not only were they given power to cast out devils, but also to sever, sever the disease from the individual that's connected with the demonic activity. Spirits of infirmity. You read the Bible, you'll find out where there's spirits of infirmity. There's still spirits of infirmity today. A lot of times whenever I'm praying for people, and it's been my habit when I'm praying for people, that uh, if they're sick and they have a disease and I don't really know the cause of it, you know, I just, uh, you, 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 just you just cast out the spirit of infirmity. That kind of covers it, doesn't it? Takes care of that. And you have authority. Jesus gave his disciples that, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So he, sent, he, he gave them power over all devils and to cure diseases. Then he sent them to preach the kingdom and to heal the sick. That's to make the sick folk whole. Now right here is where we have to come to grips with something. Okay. The scripture said, if you read the scripture, you will find that one of the gifts that the Godhead has given... To men and women is the gift of healing or the gift of healings. Now, I'm not going to go and look it all up for you, but you can probably find it. I think uh, Romans 12, maybe. 12 or 11, something like that. One of the gifts of the Godhead is the gift of healing. I have heard since we started down our path on this wonderful spirit-filled life, I've heard so many people Disciples, believer in Jesus, 
Spirit-filled people, I've heard so many of them, when you start talking about God has given somebody a gift of healing and they can lay hands on the sick and the sick recover, I've heard so many Spirit-filled people say, Oh, no, only God can heal. Well, God heals through people. I'm going to show you that in just a little while. Okay? You need to understand, if you've got Jesus living in you, and you're going to be a citizen of the kingdom of God, then you need to come to grips with the reality of the things God has given you freely so you can be an ambassador in the kingdom of God so that you can do what Jesus did and even greater things. We've got to get over this thing of false humility and say, Oh, we can't heal people. I'm telling you, you got Jesus in you. You have the Holy Spirit working in you. Guess what? Jesus will pop out of you and heal somebody, but He'll do it through you so fast it'll make your head spin. And you don't, listen, let's, 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 let's kill another cow while we're here. This business about wailing and moaning and praying for something, this one individual to be healed for two hours, that ain't got to happen. It's okay. If the Lord puts us, when you're praying for someone who's sick, if we're ministering around the altar and uh, music's playing or whatever, you know, if the Lord puts it on your heart to minister and to linger there and to pray, that's fine. That's okay. People need ministry. And, and through, through prayer ministry, sometimes more than just healing is accomplished. Physical healing, Okay. We don't have to hang around till daylight praying for somebody for them to get healed. Just don't. Now Jesus you'll find in the scripture where he prayed for somebody and the scripture says and they were healed in that hour, which means it, it took a little while. He prayed for them, like for one dude to get his sight back, blind guy. I don't remember where it was at, but anyway, he prayed for him and he went on off and Jesus found him later and he could see and the scripture said he was healed in that hour. So there is a lag time sometimes. But pray for people. That's your job. That's one of the jobs that you have as an ambassador. Pray because you've been given power and authority over all demons to cure diseases, to preach the kingdom, and to heal all manner of sick folk. Grab hold of that. Somebody's, some, somebody's healing is going to depend on that one day. Okay? So now, that's what happened in Luke 8. Now, we're going to talk about a little something else. I, I've had on my mind all day, and even yesterday, about the power of touching people with a Jesus touch. Okay? And what happens when we touch people, people that we're praying for, or people who are sick, or who are infirmed, or who need Jesus in some way, there is... There is power in touch. Okay? Have, have you... Okay. Have you ever needed a hug? Just really needed a hug? And somebody gave you a hug? How'd that feel? Pretty good. There's something that will transpire during a hug that you can't get any other way. You needed a hug... Somebody gave you a hug, it made you feel better. Right? Yeah. 
The same thing works when people are sick or have some other desperate need or are in crisis when, when the ministry time presents itself or when the critical mass is approached and it's time to get down to the nitty-gritty of healing people, there's something about touch. And there's something about the faith or the expectation of that touch. Let's go, this is real familiar, okay? This is real familiar. This is... In Luke 8, a little bit past verse 39. Y'all know this in your sleep. Talking about the power of touch now and, and how healing can happen when folks are touched. Verse 40. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received Him, for they were all waiting for Him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. Y'all know this story, I'm sure. And he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him or asked him that he'd come to his house. For he had one daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. But as he went, people pressed on him. They, they, they just like, it was like a mob scene. Okay, going down the street, there's people everywhere. And I'm sure a lot of them had their own agendas. And I'm sure a lot of them had heard of Jesus and Jairus talking. And a lot of them were just going down the street toward Jairus' house because they wanted to see a miracle. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman having an issue of blood, 12 years, that is something probably associated with her menstrual cycle. She had been bleeding for 12 years. She had spent everything she had on doctors and could not be healed by any of them. Doctors have their place. I will never advocate unless you or me or somebody else gets a direct word from God, I would never advocate to anybody to not exercise your option and go to a doctor if you're sick. However, there is a better program. Before you do that, get somebody to pray for you. I can't tell you how many times in our ministry that People have been spared going to the doctor and spending hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars because somebody was prayed for and they got healed. could be something simple like a headache, like last week, like the back. Or it could be something more dramatic, like Warren Williams' new heart that he was given a few months ago. It could be like Don McClendon's being healed of AIDS. We've got the paperwork in the desk in there. It could be like... um, Okay, I'm just calling a few off the top of my head. It could be like Keith Morgan's high blood pressure. Okay, it could be any number of things. Get prayed for first. Then, if you have to, exercise, if the Lord, if that's the way He's leading, then exercise this other stuff. 
be prayed for first. You know, save you a lot of money, a lot of time, but it also gets God a lot of glory. There's somebody out there who needs to hear the testimony of your being healed. Okay, this lady had been bleeding for 12 years and she'd spent all her money and not one single man could help her. Even the doctors. She came behind Jesus and touched the border, the hem, the tassel of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stayed. It quit. It stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? <laughs> you got you got you, you, you got a picture. A throng of people. You know, we could do an object lesson. All of us in here. I could I could pretend to be Jesus, and this could be the street. And I could get y'all all around me and y'all be pressing up all in, in front of me. I did this one time somewhere. I forget where it was. And be pressed along and, and this one woman come behind the throng and she just kind of sneaks up there and she reaches down and she grabs the tassel of my tallit. And all of a sudden, everybody pressing up against me. I stop dead still. The mob just kind of stumbles on each other, turn around and said, Who touched me? And it scares everybody half to death. And they say, oh, not me, not me. I, everybody denied it. That's what the Scripture says. Listen, it gets comical after all. You need, to, you need to read the Scripture. You know, what's going on. When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude pressed against you all around, and you're asking who touched me and what they were saying. Jesus, everybody was touching you. And Jesus said, somebody touched me. For I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. Listen now. The word virtue is dunamis power. It's the same power we talked about last week that Jesus gave His disciples power over all demons and all sickness up to the point to sever diseases. Jesus gave them that power. Jesus here... Uh, as his words were translated, it comes across as virtue. Healing power. Healing power. Let me explain to you the transaction like it was explained to me one time. I have a, have a wonderful friend. I think, he, I think he's going to live forever until Jesus comes. His name is Charles Karn. He lives in Boynton Beach, Florida. Charles has a really good teaching and a good explanation of what happened here. This woman simply believed that if she could touch Jesus' garment, that she would be healed. She had an expectation of her faith, and she believed it to the very core of her being. You see, that was an implanted gift from God, the ability to have the faith and to hope for something that was absolutely and totally impossible. As a matter of fact, the impossible nature of it had already been proven in her own life. Because not one single doctor in Jerusalem could help her. They took her money, but they couldn't help her. And so she approached Jesus with expectation and with desire and hope and a knowing that if she just touched his garment, she'd be healed. So she was a, an empty vessel, so to speak. Jesus was a full vessel. He had power resident in him. We've talked about dunamis power. Dunamis power is the power that is inherent and resident in those who are saved. 
in those who have Jesus living in you. got Jesus in you. you got all the power of creation living inside the border of your, of your body. And so Jesus had all this power. And when she touched it, it's like, it's like pouring tea out of a pitcher into an empty glass. There was a transfer and there was a release of power for the woman to receive exactly what she needed. And even while all the other people was just bumping up against Jesus, she with purpose went to Him. She had a need. She was empty. And there was this transfer. See, God doesn't waste His power. You hear me? He doesn't waste it. But there was this transfer, this, this release, this, this passing through from one person to another, the very power of God to fulfill the healing in her that she needed. Now I learned something. I'm going to just... I'm going to uh, make a confession. Okay, I learned something this week. Now let me see if I can find it. It's in the Gospel of Matthew. Let me see if I can find it. Bear with me. I think I'm fixing to have it. Give me just a second. In the Gospel of Matthew. Oh, yes. I'm going to share with you some other places where... Jesus touched people and there was a transfer and healing was accomplished. Matthew 8, 3. And Jesus put forth His hand and touched him, say, touched him saying, I will be you clean. And immediately the man's leprosy was cleansed. Matthew eight fifteen, And He touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and ministered unto them. Matthew 9. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Matthew 14, which is the same place we're reading. But I skipped over something right here, and this is what I learned. Let me find it. Give me just a minute. I'm going to take a straw poll. And you just need to answer this kind of in your own mind, okay? Was this the only person, was this the only woman in Scripture who touched Jesus' garment and was healed? Just think about that. Can you ever just remember? It's not a trick question. Can you, can you remember any time that happening to anybody? Give me just a second. I'm going to share something. It's not. It is definitely not. Let me get my page two here. This Bible program is slow, but it's worth it. It's free. <laughs> here you go. Mark 6. Mark six fifty six. And whithersoever he entered, that means wherever Jesus went, into villages or cities or country, they laid their sick in the streets and besought, listen, and besought him, begged him that they might touch, if it were, the border of his garment, and as many as touched him were made whole. Isn't that cool? Listen, the woman touching his garment was not a freak healing. Jesus, as he went all throughout the countryside, according to Mark's gospel, people would come up to him and beg, Master, can we just touch the border of your garment that we might be healed? And it's, Scripture says all who touched it were healed. 
That's Talit. Yeah, it's Talit. Mm -hmm. So they grabbed a hold of it and they were healed. Isn't that cool? Jesus is so good. And so over and over and over again in Scripture, when there was this point of contact, people were healed. Jesus will take care of that in just a little bit. I'm confident of that. And if the power of touch is so important that multitudes of people were healed of it in Jesus' day, and if Jesus is in us today with all the power of the Godhead, you know, just rumbling around on the inside looking for an outlet, And the scripture says that in, if anyone is sick, let them call for the elders of the church and they'd lay hands on the one that's sick and they would recover. If the power of touch and transfer and release is, is so real and it's so right, why, why don't people lay hands on folks more often? You ever thought about that? I just thought about that today. It's the power of laying hands on people. Why would God give commandment in His Word to lay hands on people if there weren't a reason behind it? And the reason behind it is more than just an act of faith and obedience, which it is. But there's a practical aspect too. And that is God wants the Jesus in people flowing out of their hands into the bodies of other people. That's the practical nature of the doctrine of laying on of hands, which is one that we believe. And we practice it. And it works. <laughs> I just love it. It works. God's not going to tell you to do something and it not work. It works. You see? Now, having said that, that's all I have to say. Now see, the whole point of this exercise is simply to cause your mind to grasp a principle of faith and lay hand on it in order that you might proceed deeper into the kingdom. That you might have the power of God. Now, how, let me ask you this question. Now, this, is, this may be a loaded question, but how many times do you hear stuff like this preached out there? Not enough. Maybe a spattering here and a smidge there. But we're entering into a day and age. Listen, I've got to share this with you. And I don't know, I don't want to upset anybody in here, okay? This morning, well, let me say yesterday. Yesterday, in the little hometown that I was raised in, where I have, where I have to work, you know, five to six days a week. Yesterday, a man who's, I know, about three or four years older than me, he's about 60, 59, 60. Um, Hadn't been feeling well, he went to the doctor. Doctor gave him a death sentence yesterday, basically. He said, uh, and he called his name, he said, you've got, at best, 30 days to live. You are eat up with cancer. This morning at 7 o'clock, he took a shotgun mm -hmm. and so the doctor's prophecy came true. I'm not being ugly. The doctor's prophecy came true. 
He lasted one day. Now let me say this. For those of you who are unfamiliar and you don't have a lot of experience with, with people who commit suicide, my heart goes out. Suicide is the most selfish act there is. There's no other selfish act in humanity other than suicide. Okay? But let me say this. That man was dealing with his pain and the news the only way he knows how. Now, 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 you know what our job is? Our job is to take stuff like what I just taught you and to put it in practice and to tell as many people like him as we can so they won't use that alternative. So they'll go running to an altar somewhere so somebody can lay hands on them and so God can work a miracle. Because the day and age that we're living in we're going to have to have that kind of stuff. The church of Jesus, in the months and in the years to come, we've got to be looking like acts embodied. If we're going to have credence in the community, and if we're going to be successful in the kingdom. Now, I love church. Okay, God's got a purpose for church. Church ain't always pretty, it ain't always right. And church ain't Jesus. You hear me? Church ain't Jesus. But he's got a, he loves the church, and there's a purpose for the church of the earth. But I'm going to tell you what. I'll lay down my life for the kingdom. I'll, I'll go to extravagant excess and experimentation. I will go to extreme, extreme lengths to grab hold of the promises of God and be able to walk into the kingdom equipped and prepared to see God come in power and glory in people's lives. I'll go... I'll just, I'm an extremist. And the older I get, the more I'm convinced of it. We've got to create a generation of people, quickly, who will adopt that kind of mantra and just all sold out for what it's worth, go for seeing God come every day. That's what we got to do. And we're entering into a day and age where we're going to need to be creative about it. Okay? And it ain't going to happen just in these four walls. It's going to have to be out yonder somewhere. Okay? So anyway, I thought I would give you that Paul Harvey bit. Now, when Jesus taught, when his disciples taught, when Paul taught, what they did was they demonstrated. You, it's, it's, not, it's not good enough to preach on the kingdom of God and the power of God without demonstrating it. That's just like, that's just like getting all excited that you're going to fly a flag and you go out and you buy, you buy this really nice flagpole and you dig a hole and you call a concrete truck and you pour concrete around and it's all perfectly leveled and upright and just squared off. And you back off and look at your... Proud, you're, uh, you're, you're flagpole and you're so proud of it, but you never put a flag on it. That's what preaching the kingdom of is like without a demonstration of it. You have to not be afraid to put Jesus to task on the promises and the word. You have to not be afraid to put a demand on, on God in a holy way. Say, God... This is what you said. This is what you promised. We're going to act on this now and we're going to expect it to happen. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, is 
is, is Western church doctrine and practice will not uh, tolerate such boldness. Because, buddy, you start talking that very much, they're going to try to calm you down as best they possibly can. They're going to put a tub of ice water on you when you're smoking hot. That's what they'll do. 